Hey there, kaiju lovers. As promised, well, I said this to the patrons, not necessarily to all of you. I'm, well, I should introduce myself. I'm Nathan Marchand, <laughs> and I'm actually coming to you OOC, as I like to say, out of character, or the first of what I'm calling special reports. <laughs> uh, these are going to be really off the cuff and... Uh, you know, I'm not going to have any notes. These won't be scripted and uh, going to be done in such a way that I can crank these out as quickly as I can. And this all actually came about because I was originally supposed to cover a couple of things, most notably Pacific Rim, the black, which is what this re special report is all about. And also Godzilla singular point next month on Redeemed Otaku with Bex. You, you might remember her from the Rebirth of Mothra trilogy episodes that I did over the uh, over the summer last year. And, you know, her being the, uh, a huge anime fan and, and you know, this these are kaiju-themed animes, essentially. So it seemed like the perfect time and the perfect things to do basically crossover episodes on. And that was going to make them simultaneous releases and put them out on both feeds so that both of our audiences could hear the episodes more easily. But without getting into it, that ended up not working out. But I wanted to make sure that I put something out. And it's a little bit frustrating because I put my schedule for 2021 together before I knew that either Pacific Rim the Black or Godzilla Singular Point were going to be things, and there just really wasn't any room to change it up. So that's why I am putting these out to let you guys know as quickly as I can what I think of this. And I will also admit this is a little bit of an experiment. I use Zencaster to record now, and they recently added a video recording feature, and I'm giving it a try to hopefully put this out as a video on the YouTube channel as well. If I don't, well, at least I got some audio out to all of you. <laughs> so, Pacific Rim the Black. First, I will give you my general thoughts and then I'm going to dive into some, into some spoilers because, yes, there are some major spoilers in this. And I don't want to ruin this for any of you who have not heard the well, have not seen the show yet. <laughs> See, <laughs> editing does wonders so I can get rid of all these starts and stops like this. So, general thoughts. I like this. I liked it a lot. This is coming from somebody who absolutely adores, adores that first Pacific Rim movie. It's one of my favorite genre films of the last, really, 10 years. One of the best soundtracks of any blockbuster in the last 10 years. I can't say that enough. And that... I remember that not being all that great of a summer for blockbusters. And... Because of that, Pacific Rim, the original Pacific Rim was the most fun I had had at a theater 
not only that whole summer, maybe even that whole year. I'm not sure. I'd have to look back on what other movies came out in 2013. But I ended up seeing it twice. And like I said, I absolutely adore the thing. And I was even a little bit of an apologist for it for a while because it was difficult for me to get my friends as excited about it, some of them anyway, as excited about it as I was. All that being said, fast forward and we get we get Pacific Rim Uprising. And I really wanted to like it. I really did. But I was unsure about it going in. And I'm going to be honest with you, and you can hate me all you want, G-Man, because I know you listen to this. I hate that movie. I hate that movie quite a bit. I won't go into why, but basically I feel like uh, I feel like Uprising retroactively makes the original movie incredibly stupid, along with its own set of sins that I won't get into. All of that to say, you know, because of that, I can't accept it, and I absolutely despise that movie. It's one of the rare times I have walked out of the theater angry. I couldn't even uh, you know, uh, enjoy how bad it was or anything. It's, just, it's a hole to do. It's a hole to do that I could get into, and I'm not going to do that right now. I'm going to save that for a potential future episode of the show. So, now that you understand that, I actually really liked The Black. It's a little bit surprising at points. The The trailers do a really good job of giving you just enough to get you excited without really giving a whole lot away, which is funny because right before I recorded this, because I just binged the entire show today uh, over you know, in a three different sittings. Basically, while I was having breakfast, lunch, and dinner, I would watch episodes. So I got through all of it, and yes, I really do mean, in three meals I got through all of it, because one of the first things that surprised me is this thing was only seven episodes long. I was expecting it to be more like a 12 or a 13 episode series, and instead it was seven. So I did what something that I don't normally do, or something that I haven't done all that much in a while, which is I binged it. So I got through it all. So it was a couple hours ago when I finished it. I just now decided to sit down and record because I've been a little bit busy with some other things. And I rewatched the trailers, actually, before I recorded to kind of remind myself going into this what happened. And I'm happy to say that with really... I mean, I notice more things now having watched the show. But the trailers, like I said, don't really tell you everything. The story is actually really good. The characters are fantastic in this. You, I would think it would be a little bit difficult to do any other, do a different kind of story than what we got in the the two films with this universe. But they find a way to do that, where it's this brother and sister who are trying to find their parents, who were Jaeger pilots. It takes place in Australia, which is. Which is the interesting thing. There's very much a a Mad Max vibe in this show, which I actually kind of really like with some of the aesthetics and the setting. the The big difference is there are giant monsters, but you know the villain's a little bit like uh, Shane is his name. He's a little bit like a Mad Max villain, and you know you got all these abandoned, rundown cities that are a lot like a Mad Max movie. It takes place a lot in the Australian Outback. So again, parallels 
to Mad Max. It's just in this case, instead of a crazy car, you have a Jaeger, which I, you know, giant robots make everything better, just like giant monsters make everything better. <laughs> so they're trying to find their parents after they've been gone for five years and they're not sure if they're alive anymore, but then a kaiju attacks the settlement where they've been living and leaving them with basically nothing. So they decide, well, we may as well go out there. And it's interesting because the the sister, who's the younger of the two of them, is really impulsive. And there's this hilarious scene uh, in the first episode where she finds where the this Jaeger, Atlas Destroyer, Again, Pacific Rim continues to rock it with the mo- with the coolest names you will ever hear <laughs> for giant robots. And she just keeps skipping over all of the training lessons to learn how to pilot a Jaeger, whereas her brother actually had some training to you know, to use a Jaeger. So they have really interesting personalities that clash with each other, create some character conflict throughout all of this. And then by I'm trying to remember, I can't remember if it's the end of the first, I think it's the end of the second episode by the end of the second. Yes, it was the second episode by the end of the second episode, we're introduced to another character you see in the trailers. They just call him boy. He's this little kid that they find the, that they rescue from in a, uh, from a lab, I should say, and they don't quite know what the heck is going on with him. He's a very strange kid, and he doesn't talk. And you know, there's all these weird things about him, and they don't know what to make of him. But you know, they take pity on him, and they bring him along. And then as they're going off into this journey, back trying to get to Sydney, the they run in with this guy named Shane, who is basically running a, a settlement of his own out in the middle of nowhere, and. He knows that if he can get control of this Jaeger, he's going to be the big dog. Big man in the outback there. So there's all these very interesting clashing goals, and it's there we also meet another character who is more or less another main cast member. Her name is May. Looks a lot like Zerum. (laughs) Not not Zerum. Looks a lot like Iria, I should say, from Zerum. I have zero doubt in my mind that that movie and that anime miniseries which I just watched a few weeks ago was definitely an influence on her design at the very least so I have to so basically it, I what I'm going to tell you right now is that if you like the if you liked Pacific Rim heck even if you like Pacific Rim Uprising you'll enjoy this anime was a huge influence on Pacific Rim the, the Del Toro uh, Guillermo Del Toro made no secret of that and so the idea that Pacific Rim would be made into an anime just makes sense. Or have some sort of anime tie-in. It just makes sense. And as someone who loves kaiju and loves anime, you know, this was perfect. I mean, the first movie was perfect in that regard. And seeing this actual anime based on that was perfect as well. So... Now that I've gotten that out of the way, if you haven't seen the show, I'm warning you right now, shut this off and then come back later. Otherwise, I warned you. All right. Everything's fair game. One of the things that I was trying to figure out while watching this 
was where exactly it took place in the Pacific Rim timeline. I originally thought that perhaps it took place during the Kaiju War, which we see the end of in the first movie. Or maybe, maybe potentially it took place between the movies. They didn't wouldn't quite make sense, but that's what I thought. Near as I can tell, this actually takes place after all of both movies. In fact, it might take place years, maybe even decades after the uh, after both movies. I'm not entirely sure. Which, first off, I am going to say, I am mildly disappointed, but I understand why they did this. I'm a little bit disappointed that technically Uprising is canon in this because they make reference to things from Uprising. They make reference to things in Uprising because that's one of my beefs. I, I feel like I have to reject Uprising as canon, but the now I'm in this weird position because Pacific Rim the Black is really good and it uses things from Uprising. And without Uprising, the Black wouldn't be as good as it is. So that's frustrating. Now, admittedly, they don't make reference to the parts of Uprising that I think make it incredibly stupid. They use actually some of the good ideas that were in Uprising. The biggest one being, and you'll see this thing in the trailer, is they use one of the kaiju jaeger hybrids from uprising it's supposed to be a special one that during the uprising wars clever basically evolved into something greater than the other ones that were being used by the precursors and when we see it in this show it's basically just marauding around and eating other kaiju literally eating other kaiju and it has a connection with Boy, which even by the end of the show, I you know it, it gives you enough to kind of figure out why it has a connection with Boy. But it there's a lot of mysteries, a lot of questions left unanswered. Not only that, I mean, I'm jumping ahead a little bit. But then they drop this bomb in literally at the last second of the last episode. And I'm just like... Pfft which I'll get to in a second because holy crap, it opened up Pandora's box to say the least, which is funny because I wrote a novel called Pandora's box. Anyway, so we have that thing there. It's they call the, uh, the thing apex, I think is what they call it, which is interesting because there's an organization called apex in GVK coming up pretty soon. And I think they call it, they call the thing apex because he's supposed to be the apex predator, I suppose. And, so that's one of the first things that you know is big surprises I should say that come out of this. The other one, since yeah, you know, I've already mentioned him, talk a little bit about Boy. I still don't quite know what exactly is going on with Boy. I definitely got the impression the once Haley and and uh, Taylor, that's right, Haley and Taylor, when they found him in a lab and he's in this big tube, I knew right then. Okay, he's probably some sort of genetic experiment that was done as part of the war effort because they found him in a Pan-Pacific Defense Corps facility. So I figured that was that was what was going on with him. He behaved a little bit strangely. He, you know, he was... He, he, there's a point where he gets shot in the head and there's nothing. He takes the bullet as if it was nothing. 
you know, he gets bit by a snake and he doesn't and he doesn't get poisoned. You know, all of these weird things. The you know, he'll randomly run around and try to, you know, stab a scorpion with a screwdriver and stuff like that. He won't hurt people, but you know, he'll do weird little things like that. Then you get to the final episode. Well, then you get to the penultimate episode and he manages to get Apex not to destroy the uh what is what's the name of it? Atlas Destroyer. It it doesn't destroy Atlas Destroyer and saves Haley and uh Haley and Taylor. Well, <laughs> you know, by that I mean like he actually is able to communicate with Apex in some form or another. Apex even drifts with him a little bit and then he, and then scans Haley's mind to understand them a little bit. It, it's a really weird scene and I'm not exactly sure how he's able to do that. I'm just glad that drift compatibility means something again in this series because that was one of my biggest problems with Uprising was just how stupid it was about about how to handle drift compatibility it really didn't seem to matter anymore and this it matters a lot again thankfully but then you had this i will admit it's kind of this absurd scene even for an anime where the kid is standing on the visor windshield or whatever you want to call it for the the cockpit in the head of the jaeger and the apex is bringing his big old fist down to smash it and he just stands there and blocks it with his hands. I'm like, really? You want me to believe he's so strong that he could stop that thing and there's and absorb all the impact? It was just like, okay, it was just a little preposterous. And then I thought, well, maybe it's he communicated with it and he stopped and it stopped its fist right when it got there or something. Like, I mean, you could write it off as something else, but all that to say, clear that he had some sort of a connection. He was special. And then you get to the final episode and they go full tilt attack on Titan with this crap. It turns out he's actually a kaiju disguised as a human. You know how Aaron Yeager can turn into a Titan? This kid can turn into a kaiju because he does exactly that. And I, I try to remember the, the design for the, for his transformed kaiju, his kaiju mode. I can't remember. It reminded me of something, but I can't remember hmm, uh, the it, what. It's eluding me what I thought it he turned into. I should have kept some notes, but I was just trying to enjoy the show, honestly, and not necessarily trying to treat it like I was doing an episode. Which another one of the reasons I'm doing this instead of doing it as an episode is because this is a, honestly a bit longer <laughs> than what I would normally be covering for an episode. And like I said. I didn't have a spot to fill this in the schedule to put it in. Well, at least to not be able to give it the full MIFV treatment. But yes, and then he tries to help them fight the kaiju because this is the kaiju that attacked their settlement at the beginning that they managed to defeat by... It was kind of hilarious because uh, Atlas destroys a training. Jaeger doesn't have any weapons, so all they can do is punch it. And so uh, there's an AI, which is another thing that's different. There's some expansions on the Pacific Rim universe that I'll get into in this. And so they just they crouch down and they let it fall, uh, fall down a cliff. Well, it's been following them, I guess, you know, for uh, the duration of the series. The thing's name is Copperhead. And then they get into a big fight with it at the end. That's the big final showdown. And it takes it basically takes the that Jaeger... <laughs> plus a nuke 
and a little bit of help from boy in kaiju mode to defeat this thing. And then I'll talk about this because this was the big ridiculous cliffhanger thing. There are these weird beings that we see. They're only like they're like the size of Ewoks. They're really short, maybe three feet tall. They're walking around on rooftops with these basically like Dober giant Doberman. When I say giant, I mean like the size of a bear. That sort of a, you know that that big. The like Doberman kaiju you see in this because there's different kinds of kaiju in this. Uh, in Australia, in this universe, which is yet another sign that this is definitely years after the uprising. It has to be, because we didn't see kaiju like this before. And the way the Jaegers work now is a little bit different. But anyway, so they're standing around on the rooftop, and one of them whispers to all the rest of them, the kaiju messiah is here. I'm like, what are you talking about? Kaiju messiah? What? We did, we did, we did, what? Uh, the episode hasn't come out yet, but I, I did do an episode. I did record an episode on Godzilla King of the Monsters where spoiler warning on that, on what we discussed in that episode with you know, Brandon from up from the depths and the Omni viewer, I called Godzilla Messiah of the Monsters and that's, but apparently somebody working on this show decided they needed to have a literal kaiju messiah because that's what this kid is called it's weird and i don't know what that means like i said it's a pandora's box that just blew this stuff up because the kids don't find their parents in this so their plot line is technically not finished so i don't know what's going on with that i we don't know if their parents are alive or dead yet they find their parents jaeger but we don't know what happened to them so that is still ongoing, and for what I read online, we're supposed to get at least two seasons of the thing, of this show. So we'll see what happens. I hope they don't drag it out longer than they need it to. If it's meant to be two seasons, make it two seasons, get it over with. So those are some of the, I guess, the big spoilery things. And then, like I said, there are things here that are definitely different, that are definitely expansions on the universe. In this, Jaegers now have AIs because we have kind of another character in this. Her name is Loa. She's an AI that helps to operate the Jaegers. Now, they can't drift with pilots in order to operate them, but they can assist with things and you know, do things like you know, let them you know recommend strategies and things like that, uh, let them know what's going on, which... I, I guess we hadn't really seen before. They do find another Jaeger doesn't have an AI, so it's meant to be, it's definitely something that's different. And there's also uh, the breaches. Now, in the originally in Pacific Rim, there was one breach. This is where the title of the movie comes from Pacific Rim, because it was in the, the bottom of a trench underwater, and Kaiju were swimming up out of there. In this universe, now at this point, Breaches can open just about anywhere, and they're opening up in a lot of different places. In Australia, in fact, there's even a point where one opens directly under Atlas Destroyer, and it nearly falls into, the, I guess, the precursor dimension. So they're opening up all over the place, and now we have different kinds of kaiju. I mentioned the ones that were like basically like giant Doberman dogs, and you know they were running around. And uh, you know they come after the characters. They're closer to human size, and one of them gets grabbed. You see this in the trailer. One of them gets grabbed by Apex, and he eats it. So you have that, and then there are these ones that almost look like skull crawlers. It's kind of weird. 
that the, you see fighting at the beginning there. So there are all these interesting little expansions. And then, you know, I mentioned that they talk about the uprising wars and then, they, you know, they have these hype, the, the Jaeger kaiju hybrids. Another reference that they make that, made, that delighted me is there's a point where in desperation, Taylor says, I need to pilot this Jaeger solo. And he attempts, he attempts something that's called, uh, was it ghost piloting or something like that? Where instead of using an actual person, he uses the archived memories of a Jaeger pilot in order to kind of fake out, you know, to you know, trick the system into letting uh, him operate it with just one person. It's supposed to be dangerous and not a whole lot of people have done it and survived. Well, they bring up the names of the people in the computer who did this and survived and guess who they were? Very familiar faces. Stacker Pentecost, Raleigh Beckett, and Herc Hansen. And Taylor chooses the memories of Herc Hansen. I'm guessing probably because he was Australian. So, you know, a little solidarity there. And we get this little flashback, which he had seen at the beginning, but I didn't realize this was supposed to be Herc Hansen, where we have Herc Hansen fighting in another Jaeger to apparently to save Australia. And the so it's a character we actually see an anime version of one of the movie characters which was really exciting so we there is stuff like that in this so basically yeah all that being said this is actually a very excellent show i'm looking forward to season two i hope it comes out soon there's a lot that i probably could go into but like i said all of this stuff is still relatively fresh and I was just watching it, not to analyze it, but just to have, uh, just to take it in and enjoy it, have a good time. And I, there's some, you know, there's some wonderful things going on here with themes. I love, you know, and particularly when it comes to things like family, and uh, you know, that's really the big thing. Making connections. It's going back to that sort of stuff that we saw in the first movie, because drift compatibility is a very important thing and sharing each other's memories in this is a big deal. There's actually a few points where we got some exposition for, from the characters because they use the drift like that. So you know, it's very much in the del Toro spirit, even though I don't think del Toro was involved in this because del Toro is doing 10 million things. I know how that feels. <laughs> so, but I have to say, whoever's running this, I do think some of the people who worked on the movies are run are working on this, and they did a, such a better job than basically everything that was in Uprising. They took the things from Uprising, the handful of things that were there that were actually good, and they built off of them, and they just kind of spat out the bones of the stuff that doesn't work. We aren't hearing anything about you know, how explosive yes explosively flammable kaiju blood is and all of that sort of stuff and the kaiju aren't trying to get to a volcano and all the all of that nonsense that we had in the first one it's not a perfect show you know i could probably bring up some of the things that i didn't necessarily like but i kind of have already but honestly at this point i've said everything that uh, i'm going to say right now like I said, just wanted to make sure I crank this out for any of you who were curious what I thought of this and didn't think that reading a blog or something like that would be all that interesting or you know, fun because 
I, I honestly, as much as you know, I, I like putting I, as much as I like writing things as I am a writer by trade and putting it up on the website, I know that the video and the audio is more likely to get traction with my audience. So yeah, that's why I decided, you know what, I'll give this a try. We'll see how it goes. All right. Thank you very much. And we are canceling the apocalypse. Thank you for listening to the Monster Island Film Vault, a podcast produced and hosted by Nate Marchand. If you enjoy the show and want to join the discussion, we'd love to hear from you. So email us at feedback at monsterislandfilmvault.com. Your message could be read on a future episode of the show. Our website is monsterislandfilmvault.com. Follow us on Facebook and Instagram at Monster Island Film Vault and on Twitter, where our handle is at TheMonsterIsla1. You can also follow Jimmy from NASA on Twitter at NASAJimmy and the Monster Island Board of Directors at MonsterIslaBOD. I have fulfilled my contractual obligations! And be sure to subscribe to us on YouTube, Spotify, and Twitch. The podcast logo was created by Tyler Souls from TylerDrawsComics.com. Our theme song is Wanderer on the Offensive Live Edit by B33J, Sarax, Juan Madrano, and Nonsensical Lexus, which is a remix of Counterattack Battle with the Colossus and The Open Way Battle with the Colossus by Koatani from the video game Shadow of the Colossus. All film and audio clips belong to the respective copyright holders and no infringement is intended or implied. Please rate and review us on Apple Podcasts and or Podchaser to spread the word about the show. You can also support us by joining MIFV Max on Patreon. The Monster Island Film Vault is a Moonlighting Ninjas Media production. Sayonara!